<laughs> you didn't even have time to get your first question in before I started yapping. <laughs> when you, whatever I call it, and I dance here, that we'll call it practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so that's a big change uh, to actually looking forward to this, to the practice. Uh, I, I didn't really do that before. It was more of a uh, something to do, <laughs> a task or something. Uh, Worse than that, perhaps, but something that you should do because it would be good for you. Yeah, perhaps in a way, but I, I'm not really into those shoulds because I usually go against them. So it, it was it was more like, well, okay, I do this because perhaps it could be beneficial in some way. Uh, At a later point in time. Yeah, yeah, more like that, yes. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. But now your practice is more of getting the benefit out of the practicing that you're doing right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of a priority. I even uh, usually do it twice a day uh, in the morning and, and also in the evening or during the day. So it, I have the time to do it. And uh, it really has become some kind of a priority even. So, yeah, but still those hindrances are coming up and sometimes uh, quite intense, but not worst, <laughs> not not the worst kind of, of but um, I think yesterday was kind of, uh, there was a lot of them. And then I started to see how I, uh, it, I, I never saw this before, but it's this old thinking uh, that came back and, and I could see how it it really got into, I don't really, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I get into that. I don't care and whatever, so what? And, and then I get stuck in that. It, it's... Uh, All right. Yeah. yeah. Well that I don't care is quite useful if it's done correctly. Okay. All right. That in fact, you could say that I don't care would be an expression that could be associated with what they call choiceless awareness. Uh-huh. All right. And this is where the problem comes in. Yeah. And that is, imagine that you're standing on the road and you're looking down the road and here comes a great truck, a big lorry. And we say, I don't care. And then it runs over us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but if you're standing in the road and um, that you... You don't see a truck at all, but maybe you see a, a snake off in the distance, and then you can say, I don't care. All right, because of the snake is not barreling down upon it the way that, uh, that the hindrances are. Mm. Okay, so when you say, I don't care, that's when the mind is actually free from hindrances, is when it's really useful to come into the state of, I don't care. In fact, the I don't care here is the statement of a champion. I've got this nailed. I don't care about it anymore. Okay. 
as opposed to being in a state of hindrance, I don't care, is dangerous. Because basically that's like being in the middle of a uh, stampede and every horse has got a hoof into us one place or another and we keep laying there saying, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care while we're getting pummeled. Mm. Okay. All right, so once we make that decision, then we can say, all right, this only can be I don't care when we're free from hindrances yeah. Because then it's the statement of a champion as opposed to saying, I don't care when we are, in fact, in a victim's position. Mm-hmm. I can see that difference. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't care is actually a very marvelous place to get into. If you can really get into a state of I really don't care anymore, what left is there? Yeah. Because that's a state of complete satisfaction. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the dilemma I've been uh, in before, but now I started to see, I see exactly what you say now, that this difference uh, between those. Yeah. Mm. And so it really does have a lot to do with being able to get the hindrances out oh. of the mind. Yeah, okay. Not, not in the sense of um, many people take Mahasi courses and they think then that uh, when they see a hindrance that they're supposed to tell themselves a story about it mm. when they call it noting. But a more important way of talking about noting is note it well and let it pass. Okay. And that's when we come back in with or make that change, letting it pass is, aha, I see you, Myra, almost as if we're waving at that good, that bad thought as we wave it goodbye. Mm. And out it goes, it's, it's gone. And we're waving at it as it's leave, it's gone now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I see you, Myra, or I see you, um, hindrance. Mm. Now, there will come a time when you get fairly good at this, that this whole sequence of events of being lost in thought, catching the thought, I see you, Myra, coming back into a state of relaxation and peace, only to recognize again that you're caught in hindrance. Yeah. And then you recognize it and you catch it up. Basically, the amount of time that we spend in that cycle has to do with how long after the mind has wandered away that sati then arises. Mm. If, if we're beginners at it, it might go five or ten minutes. Mm. If we're having a bad day, we can sit down and, medit- mm. uh, and, and practice and not ever get anything undone. It's all hindrance from start to finish. Yeah. But then there are going to be times when we're getting good at it. We're sharp. Okay, yeah. Mm. Which means that it might happen now five or ten times a minute. Mm. That mm. I catch that thing, I bring myself back, and then it wanders away again. Yeah. All right, but it's not the wandering away that we're interested anymore. It's mm. the fact that we can catch it soon. Yeah, okay. Because, mm. our, because we eventually then begin to get sharp enough or have the skill of sati developed well mm. enough mm. 
that the mind doesn't wander very far before we catch it. Yeah. And this, this is one of the actual embedded points that's in the Anapanasati Sutta strictly uh, stated, but the connection is not there, and so the students miss it. And that is this. The Buddha mentions the in-breath as a long breath, and he mentions the out-breath. Understand that out-breath, which means see it, which means have some sati. We know that we're taking a long out-breath. We know we're taking a long, deep in-breath, which means two points of time with every breath is sati. If we're practicing correctly, sati keeps arising over and over and over again. So if we can use that sati to see what the mind is doing, then we can keep it from going off into hindrance again. And this is how the skill is developed. I'm experiencing that too. I, I actually did. And when I do that and get very calm, I get very calm. And then it, it becomes, uh, it, it, I, I kind of uh, move to my nose because it gets too much and it's, uh, it's really calm for some okay. time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm using the right words here, but that's what's also what's been happening. And I can see this connection to what you just said about that. All right. I would add to that calm other words to describe it. It's mm-hmm. very hard to be calm when you're uh, feeling afraid and in a dangerous situation. Mm. So an aspect of calm is security and safety that mm. you're not experiencing the fetters that are associated with fear. Mm. Okay, the two uh, fetters that are associated with fear the strongest is restlessness and doubt. So when you're free of those two hindrances, then the tendency of feeling fear is very low and your calm will have a lot of uh security and safety Mm. in the sense of uh, the well-being of not having to be on guard so much. But this is a little bit dangerous because if we feel really safe and secure and not on guard, that's when the hindrance is most likely to return. Mm. All right. So another quality of this calm would be um satisfaction uh and one of the ways of looking at satisfaction is kind of after we've had a really delicious big meal and we've had all we want sometimes to the point that we leave the rest of it for the dog we just don't want to we've had enough already that's that satisfaction also is a part of looking at the word calm or putting these words together. Satisfaction, contentment. Uh, The word that I was actually pointing at just a moment ago is the word satiation. In other words, I've got it up to here. I've got it. I've got all I want. I've got my fill of it. Thank you. Okay. And so this is what that full satisfaction is there that leads to this state of being calm. 
And so I'm I'm inviting you to take a look at that when you're in that state that it's got all of these various little aspects built into it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like it's enough. Uh, I, I always go for more. I usually go for more, but but in that state it's it's enough. It's it's good. The calm it's is good. Uh, the calm is enough. Yeah. And it's worthy investigating. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that calm also has another additional component, or at least it's a kind of an additional skill to be developed, is the skill um, of having the attitude of a winner, or I can do this. And that also is an element of that calm, is the satisfaction of success. And so now the question is, basically, once you can get yourself into that state of calm, how did you exactly get yourself into that state of calm and exactly what can you do to sustain it? Uh, I think it was this deep breathing, focusing on the breath then it, it kind of came immediately. It, it was kind of fast. Right. When you get skilled at it, it does with that first breath. It's like, yeah. oh, what a relief. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's the key then. The breathing is what helps get us under the state. But there's also a number of things, a combination. One was the, the sati to recognize the hindrances and get them out. And also the deep breathing helps us get into and sustain that place. That in fact, many students who practice uh, mindfulness of breathing without actually practicing controlling the breath, if they're not controlling it, then the mind is not really all of that well established on the breath, which means the mind can wander away really easily. But if we keep bringing back sati to the point every in-breath, we take note of that in-breath. And every out-breath, we take a note of that being a long out-breath that keeps the brain energized, keeps it fit for work. Okay, so now we need to work on how to sustain that. Okay. So we can either do that now or we continue on your list. But right now you use the word calm. So I thought that I would dance around that word for a little while. Mm -hmm. How to get yourself into that state of calm is with the breathing and with the bringing of the back. And mm -hmm. to now we uh, will eventually start working on sustaining it. Mm -hmm. Because the only option we have other than sustaining it is to plopping right back in hindrance only mm. to repeat this cycle mm. yeah yeah i can see that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh yeah I, I can also see this uh when i'm not in in that calm uh how the tightness in my but i usually uh, uh, I've usually tried to not even uh, notice my body. I kind of, 
disconnected. I don't really want to have so much to do with it. But now when I started, um, um, when I actually do and when I sit, I experience it and uh, also there has been some very pleasant feelings too and it's like the body is not this entity that I experienced before. It's more like open. It's not, it's more, um, uh, I don't know how to explain that, but. Um, Does the word alive fit? Yeah, yes, yes. It's not a court, it's yeah. alive. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. all over the place. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, so it's and dynamic also, and energetic is another way of saying it. Yeah, exactly. And also not separate. I, it's not so separate. It's like uh, uh, some kind of steel <laughs> thing around it. It's, uh, it's very alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One of the things that happens um, possibly and this is actually debatable, but it generally looks like that it happens to young women more than young men uh, because of uh, the society's influence uh, or, um, on appearance. So that young women get more of the feeling, I am the body, mm -hmm. okay. or this is yeah. who I am. Yeah. So they say yeah. things like, I'm putting on my makeup. Mm -hmm. All right, making up my yeah. face, okay? Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, but that's that's part of the way that they were trained. Mm. Yeah. And this is not what you're saying. It's not an ego identity with the body, but no. it's rather a familiarity with the body. Yeah, but it, it's kind of more the opposite because I mm -hmm. always, I used to wear makeup, I used, but I, I don't really want, uh, it's more some kind of a shield. It's like I put on some kind of uh, facade. And then when I stopped doing that, I didn't want, I, I was trying to control things that way too, because I didn't want to get attention. So I didn't want to look good because of that. So, um, so it got the opposite of, of uh, looking good. I, I didn't want to look good. Okay. Well, I offer you a kind of a new way of looking at it like that then. Mm -hmm. And the way that I would describe the body would be with the word antenna. Okay. That the body is an antenna mm. or it's a sense organ. Yeah. Okay. And that it basically has two parts. One is tactile sensation, which is normally to do with the surface of the skin and its contact and communion and community with everything that we touch. Mm. From the pants that we wear to the uh, breeze in the air, everything has a sense of touch to it. And yet, as children, we were kind of taught to ignore that. That yeah. we don't pay much attention to the body. Yeah. Now, that's not true in some ways. Uh, some kids are, are given dance lessons or a certain kind of music lesson or a certain kind of sports lessons where the child does stay very much attuned with his body. 
But most kids, they say, uh, they're told to sit down at a desk and learn the ABCs. Yes. And the one, two, threes. And so this off they go into that world of mm-hmm. leaving the body and getting more and more into the head. Mm-hmm. But Anapanasati is now a direct invitation to get back in touch with and familiar with the body. Starting with and through the breath, but eventually through all kinds of touch and tactile sensations and waking up the body. An example of that is with the hands. The hands are, in fact, so important, there's actually a word for it called mudra. And the word mu is hand, and the, uh, the mudra is, means position or the posture or uh, the way of the hands. And, and one of them is the one where the monk is holding his hand out like this. And that um, uh, the point is, is that the arm is straight, but that the mind is focused on the palm of the hand. So that it becomes warm. So okay, it this, becomes what? It becomes warm. The blood flow to the hand gets great. Okay, so it begins to tangle, becomes vibrantly alive, okay? Okay. And there's other things that we do with the hands. Another one would be putting the hands together like that and touching the thumbs. Can you actually feel the thumbs touching each other before they actually make physical contact? Okay. So you begin to grow your bodily sensations. So you let the body become more and more a sensitive antenna that's going to have many different benefits when it comes to actually waking up. Because we want to wake up the body and the eyes and our, all of our senses so that we can really experience the here now mm. in a way that means that we're much more sensitive. One of the things that I've been doing for quite a long time, a number of years now, is sitting here on the porch and off to my side, out of my position of view, is the road. But I can turn my eyes and look at the road through the leaves of the tree. But my intention is anybody who comes on the property, I want to know it before the dogs do. Mm -hmm. I can beat them every time. (laughs) But with But with Tam, yesterday it was a big deal because I started singing and talking to her, and then she didn't come around the corner. She wasn't there. And then she was. But I had known she was there three seconds or longer before she actually came into view. This is because of that external awareness. That's why I called it originally an antenna. We begin to pick up things. It becomes part of our wisdom base. An example of that is people living in cities can get robbed because Mm. someone can come up right behind them and they not know it. Why? Because there's a lot of traffic and so people tend to not pay attention to their awareness around them. Yeah. But there's not anybody going to get within 20 feet of me that I don't know it. Mm, yeah. I used to do that a lot before when I was in kind of, kind of dangerous situations and so on. So I've been, I've been well trained to pick up on that. But, 
but uh, but not but, in so in the way you're describing. And, it, and it's just a real training. But now we can use the residue of that training that you developed in a dangerous situation mm. now that it can be a toy to play with. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I didn't do it in the right way because it wasn't very pleasant at all. It was so fear-based, so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right, but it wasn't fear-based with me, but it was a big deal. You see, Achan Po would do those kind of tricks with me when I was at Watson Mok. Mm. He would stand outside my cootie and wait until I figured out that he was out there. Mm. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> or he would walk up behind me and say one of his pet phrases, you know, like, Artempo, you're not going to be able to sneak up me on me anymore. <laughs> I'm just not going to let that happen, which yeah. is the entire position. I mean, he never had to even say anything other than merely sneaking up on me and saying a word and passing on by. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to help develop this skill that I have that is quite remarkable, but it's not bragging rights because anybody can do this. It's, and you just said that you had to, you were in a circumstance that you had to pay attention to your surroundings. Yeah. yeah. But with you, it was also with the feeling of danger. Yeah. Now you can bring that in as a sense of part of the calm is, is that you know that it's okay to feel secure and calm because you actually are alert to your surroundings. Yeah. And if anything happens, you'll know it. Yeah. Now, as you can see, this is exactly the opposite of what many uh, Western students think of meditation, which is a systematic shutting down. Mm. or a focusing or getting into high states or whatnot. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But this is much more of a panoramic of the be here now. This is the quality that is liberating. Yeah. Not the quality of too much focus. Uh, yeah, I think this is also what I... Uh, I got the impression that it was about the shutting down, but I kind of knew it wasn't about that. But I, I couldn't really ever understand what it is. Is it really about? So now, okay. I am, yeah. Here, here's, here's, I think, the part of the reason why that mistake is so commonly made was mm -hmm. because in the original way of translations of, uh, from the Pali into the English, uh, language was done by people who did not, they were not practitioners of Anapanasati. And so they gave a best guess of the yeah. definitions of the words. Now, yeah. the word samati is used all over the place. Yeah. And it is almost always translated as concentration. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. the practice that we're practicing is not concentration. The actual definition of samadhi, and there are some suttas where this is actually pointed out, but while somebody is in the heat of translating this group of books, he's going to use the word that he thinks he knows that this means without recognizing that, wait a minute, someplace deep over in those books you haven't seen yet, there's this story about the gathering together like a tent like a, a, a yurt has a center pole 
with um, ridge poles around it. Mm. Also, the uh, uh, Western American uh, Native American teepee mm. has a, a bunch of poles that, that are bound together at the top. That's the samati is where all of the factors, all of the poles of that tent come together so that then the wrapping can be done around the tent. Okay. This is actually what samati means and how we put it into use is that we're gathering together the factors that are needed. Okay, or another way of looking at it in the sense of Sama area samati, which is noble uh, right samati, should not be translated as noble right concentration. A better way of talking about it is unification of mind. When the mind is unified, that's its samati, not that when it's concentrated. That many, many times someone can be concentrating but have no unification of mind. Mm, okay. This is, a, this is a completely different position. Mm. So let's look at it a little bit. Is well, where will you find a, a mind that's not unified? Is one that's full of doubt, fear, anxiety, um, has conflicts of interest. Mm who lies because telling a lie is in fact not a unification of mine is separating myself from the truth mm. okay doubt that's a major destruction of unification of mind so basically what this means is we got to be naturally free in this moment of the hindrances to be in a state of unification of mind. Mm -hmm. Also, we can look at it from the perspective of the other four factors of the Eightfold Noble Path that we've talked about for so much, which is right noble sati based upon right view and that that right view grows, but you had enough right view in the beginning to call me mm -hmm. or to even do what we were doing 20 years ago or something, all mm. right? That's one's right view, but it's growing over time based upon right sati, right effort, and newfound right attitude. The mm. attitude of I can do this. Or mm. even the attitude of, hey, I like this practice now. Mm. Before yeah. you did it because you were expecting something out of it, now you're doing it because you are getting something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have those four, and going together, that's what develops into the unification of mind when we practice Anapanasati. Mm -hmm. Because Anapanasati is designed specifically to gather up all of the jhana factors for the first jhana. Mm -hmm. And when we have those jhana factors together, that's by definition the unification of mind. That number one is free from hindrances. Two is in that state of calm satisfaction. Three is when we have the attitude, I can do this. This is good. I have the attitude, I can do this. No matter how obstructed the mind gets from time to time, when I remember and I just did, out I come. I can do this. 
So that gives us an attitude of winner. That winner's attitude and that sati of keep coming back over and over and over again, taking the right effort to do that, brings the mind into a state of unification. Before that, we were a crowd. Before that, we were actually thinking that who am I is actually my personality. And we'll talk more about this later. Mm. Because now we recognize that that personality is not fixed. Mm. We can make some changes to it. Mm. And we're not the crowd that we used to be. Mm. Now we're unified. And that that unification of mind has several different qualities to it that are quite remarkable. Mm. And and that is also uh, not wanting anything. Because if a unified mind wants something, it's not unified now. It needs something to be whole. But mm. if it's already whole, then it doesn't want anything. Mm. So if we are in a state of wholeness and not want anything, then we're unlikely to go shoplifting. We're unlikely to go out and commit a robbery. Mm. We're unlikely to do anything, in fact, to harm anyone else because we're in a state of satisfaction. Although we may, in fact, continue to use low class language in in humor and in jest and in fun, we don't use harsh language to put someone down because we're kind of friends with everybody when we're in this state. Mm. Okay, when the mind is whole, then what I'm getting around to saying, if we don't lie and we're not harsh and we're not gossiping or putting someone down and we're not actually out um, doing damage to our uh, fellow beings, that's coming out of a state of wisdom or a state of a noble mind to where for most people, those things come as rules. Mm. They call them precepts. Mm. Or sometimes even commandments. When they're commandments, they're thou shalt not kill. Mm. But yeah. in the Buddhist, we call it a precept, and it's panatapata we ramani sakabadam samatiyami. But when you're in a state of wholeness, even when the mosquito is biting, it's easy just to flick them off. That, in fact, if you squash the mosquito, and this is something people from the West have to learn about Thailand, you Mm. do not squash mosquitoes because all you're doing is pushing his nose and his whole face Mm. right under your skin (laughs) to leave it there to fester and get sore. But if you can flick them off, then Mm. off they go, and they're they're very happy to be flying and to keep their nose in their face. Mm. Okay? So... But that comes from knowledge and also non-hostility that Mm. the mind already has. Mm. And yet I've seen a lot of people who try to do the precepts rather than them being very natural. Mm. I think I've been doing a lot of this actually during those 20 (laughs) last years. Right. So as the mind becomes unified, our sila gets naturally better without ever having to follow any rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never been good at following rules anyway, so I usually go against them. So. Well, this is where the whole Buddha's teaching can come down to for you then. 
there is only one rule. Uh-huh. Only one. Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda. Oh, oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> that's the only rule. And if you can follow that rule, then <laughs> you've got it. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is wonderful it takes to hear. A, it takes a unified mind to follow it, that uh, one yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it, it's something to to live by. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, to be free of all of the th- thoughts and feelings and hindrances that we would have that would cause us to go out and speak or behave that way. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think the the speech is not. I'm I'm not the best at that, but but I usually. Um, I usually stay quiet because I don't really know what to say sometimes. <clears throat> but um, yeah, to to get it right. But I, I've I've been training a lot to to do that. I think so. And and I I've also started to see how it actually is working. I don't make enemies like I used to do. <laughs> Even if I may not make friends either in that way because I don't really go for it. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something here in There's, this. There, there is one thing that you can do that will help build friendships. Mm-hmm. And that is be friendly. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. there's a look to that and that is basically just share your joy. I do that, but but I'm but, not sure I really want friendship. <laughs> yeah, because I do that a lot. And I'm actually, nowadays, sometimes I can be happy just to see people. I, I, I usually didn't want to be around people at all. But now I can see how that, uh, that has, uh, uh, there is some joy and benefit and goodness in that. And I, I recently started to discover that actually in that way. Uh, usually before it was more, what can I get out of this? Uh, how I, I kind of, I remember someone told me one very long time ago, you use people. Me? Oh no, I don't. I don't use people. But now I you started. Did, you didn't believe it then. No. That was the truth you did not want to hear. That was. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't But now you recognize there was some truth in it, I guess. There was a lot of truth, and I recognized that at the time, too, but I couldn't see it. I didn't understand what she was saying. Uh, It was completely off, but I knew she, somehow she was right, and I got very annoyed about that, too, I remember. So... Yeah, but now I start, and I also was reading a lot this um, poem from B- Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, which I didn't understand either. I didn't understand anything. It's called No More Enemies. And I couldn't understand a word, but I knew there was something here for me to learn. And I read it over and over again. And eventually I started to see, well, this may be about that. And now I, when I read it, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this was it. You've actually mentioned someone or some point 
uh, or a work that he's done that I, I don't know of. A lot of the stuff is out there that I have not heard of him. I'm not an expert in the sense that I know everything that's been written. Mm-hmm. No. But I am I am tracking three uh, translators right now, mm-hmm. keeping track of what Santicaro Bhikkhu is doing and Dhamma V2. And also we've now put to work Robert, that we're mm-hmm. going to get him to do um, some stuff. He's already doing um, some stuff in Anapanasati. Mm-hmm. But there have been things that I just don't don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have it online, it would be good if you could send me a link to it. Is this a, uh, a paperback book or an online work that you have? Uh, I'm not sure because I wrote it down. It, it was on the somewhere. I don't remember, but I can check it out. I have it in, in the book. I wrote it in a book so I can check it out. Yeah. Okay. And what was the name of it again? Uh, no More Enemies. No More Enemies. Yeah. I've got a sutta up right now where the Buddha is telling Ananda that friendship is the whole of the path. Yeah. That the yeah, whole yeah. of the path is, make, uh, is that. And so naturally, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is going to say no more enemies. Yeah. But that can be said in a broader text than merely other people. Mm-hmm. That, in fact, if we can't do it in the broader context, we won't be able to do it with other people. Yeah. And so that other broader context is, is that we uh, need to, um, while we use words like subdue and tame uh, our fear and other uh, emotions rising from instincts, a better way of even saying it is, is to make friends with it. Okay. To make friends with our uh, um, most worrisome feelings so that they don't control us anymore. They're our friends now. Mm. Yeah. So I am not the anger. I'm just friends with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever the feeling is, whatever the hindrance is, I'm not the hindrance. Mm. I can be friends with it, but right now, this friend I don't need. Mm. So I can dismiss that friend, but I don't have to hate it. Mm. But in fact, the hating of the hindrances is why people go into denial, just like you said. You did not want to hear from this lady that you used people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you had embraced that and become friends with that point, oh, yes, I do use people. You probably would have had even more pleasant time in the past few years. Yes. Yeah, I would have done it if I had understood how to do it. And uh, I didn't understand anything. Well, now you're learning how. (laughs) Yes. Yes. By learning to make friends with everything. Don't, in fact, um, and and that's another way of going back to that statement you made about I don't care anymore. Yeah. Okay, which means that I'm friends with everything now, and there's not a care. There's nothing to care for in the sense that there is nothing ill. So I don't care is a really marvelous place to actually be when there's nothing to care for. Mm -hmm. Because if we still care when there's nothing to care for, now we're just being busy. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. so if we can see everything as a friend and it is good enough as it is, then there's nothing to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So the attitude then would be, uh, okay, so yeah, the anger comes, but when it does, I catch it. I say mm -hmm. hello to it. Yeah. And then I say goodbye to it. Actually, I don't really know how to understand my anger anymore because I used to be so obviously angry all the time. It was kind of invading me. I was living in anger and I don't do that anymore. And it's, okay. I think it's usually not so, uh, at least compared with, with before. So I, I don't recognize it I'm, uh, <laughs> in a way, I think. But Are you saying it, it is much more subtle now? Uh, yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. Well, now but, that you know that it's more subtle, you can pay more attention or you can look for it a little more in the sense of just not calling it anger anymore, because if it's come down to a subtle level, we can probably find a new word that fits more correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the ways uh, we could, could think of it... Um, would be an annoying. I'm annoyed. Or I just don't like it. So liking yeah. and not liking is at the level of feeling. When yeah. we, it's really easy in English to talk about the uh, I like it that leads to I want it. Yeah. That leads to clinging. But I don't like it leads to I don't want it. And that leads into trying to get rid of it. And often that getting rid of it is done in anger. I, I'm more of, of, of So that becoming type. understanding that you just simply don't like something. That's mm -hmm. a new piece of wisdom. Yeah. And then you can accept I don't like it, but now you can change it. One of the ways that you can change it is, aha, I see you, Mr. Feeling Not Liking. <laughs> And I'm really pleased with myself that I can see you. And now already we've changed our feeling. Okay. That recognition, that waking up. Yeah. And now we're learning to do it at a very subtle level. And that's good. Hmm. I, I think a major change in this for me could be perhaps that um, usually before I separated myself from other people and the world, now I, I'm starting to separate those hindrances in, in my mind, uh, like I see it uh, in me mm -hmm. and, and not out there. Could Precisely. It be? That's excellent. Uh -huh. Right. Okay. Um, that that's part of the reason why seclusion is good to get away from the world long enough to recognize that we didn't get away from the world by walking away from yes. it. That we've yes. got to do something more than that. Okay. I, I, yeah. Okay. I got this one once at a retreat, a meditation retreat, a really good one because everyone was silent for 10 days and I could see how things only happened in my own mind. There was no one there to uh, do anything to me in any way. And, and I got that there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's That's like, a major oh, point. Okay. 
Uh-huh. That's really an important point that we understand that all of the suffering is actually done in our own mind. Mm-hmm. But I, so I think look, I at, see... look at my arm for a moment and I'll show, mm-hmm. give you an analogy. Imagine that the arm is actually the world itself in all the way that we think about it. Mm-hmm. And this is how we normally live our lives, mm-hmm. yeah. attached to it firmly. Yeah. But now that you've come to the conclusion that I am not that arm. Mm-hmm. That the hindrances of that which keeps me clinging to the arm Mm -hmm. is the real problem. It's not the arm itself, it's the clinging. Mm -hmm. And this is what helps us loosen our grip. Especially Mm -hmm. when we come to understand that the arm itself, the world, is fairly disgusting. Yeah. It's a madhouse out there. They work yeah. really hard with all of their rulemaking to make it not chaotic, and they have not successfully done it. There is no society that is free from sin or free from suffering, misery, and all of that. I, so I that so now we understand friend. that what's going on is I am attached through the disgust, but now I recognize that the disgust is not really for the world, it's that I'm clinging to it. And now we become disgusted with the way that we're clinging to it. And that's when we let go. That's Lokatara, is when we let go because it's disgusting the way that we're clinging to the world. Okay. Oh. So it's not just recognition that uh, all of the stuff that I brought into the meditation retreat was the world, but I brought it in in my own mind. And now we recognize that everything that we find disgusting in the world mm. is actually something that's in our mind. So the, the disgust is within the mind. Yeah. And that's when we come across that very, very famous saying that's a wall painting at Watsu and Mo. And let me describe it to you. It's a, a, a kind of a line drawing done by a commercial artist who was spent years as a Buddhist uh, monk, both Zen and Theravada. His name was Emmanuel Sherman. And he did a lot of the art that's in the spiritual theater at Watsu and Mo. But this one point, is he's got um, a line drawing of a fat, happy monk with a great big grin on his face, his arms in the air, and he is actually in uh, artistic um, uh, done so that he's above villages and towns and mountains and sort of a pastoral kind of scene and line drawing, all right? And then the, uh, the, the story or the line that's along the side of it is, oh, boundless joy to mm. find at last mm. there is no happiness in the world. Mm. I remember you saying that a lot before. <laughs> I never wrote on those lists, but, but I, you, uh, yeah. But I knew Remember there that, was, huh? what? <laughs> you remember, huh? Oh, yes. boundless yes. joy find at last there yeah. is no happiness in the world because that i already knew that in a way because i could see that that madhouse out there there was no doubt about that but but uh, then what you know well, where's your boundless joy then 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, boundless have... joy to find at last that I do not have to find my joy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> there is no happiness in the world. Where's yeah. my boundless joy? The answer is, I don't. If, if I got my unhappiness from the world, then I can get my happiness from the world by getting out of the world. Yeah. Because the unhappiness is coming from the world, and we've been tightly attached to the world. So all of the hindrances of the mind are generally associated with the world, especially the past, the future, other places. And so you can repeat that to yourself. Oh, boundless joy. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great one because I knew there was, this is it, but I, I didn't see any of what, what you're talking about now. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, um, I think that we've gotten an uh, even more way of beginning to practice. And so we will leave next time into the discussion of how to maintain it, how to sustain this. But your job now is how can you get into this state? How can you get into this state of calm, practicing it over and over and over again? And every time a thought comes that pulls you out of it, it depends upon how strong that thought is, because it may not, in fact, be able to pull you out. And then you can sustain it. So we begin to get on guard for what kind of thoughts we're going to have. And that's the way that we begin to practice. How can I keep this? Hmm. Now, I know that you had a list of questions, but we've been going on for nearly an hour now. Uh, <laughs> did we actually even cover any of those questions? Yeah, I think, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those are answered already. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, Agnes, see you in a few days then. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy your practice. Yes, thank you. May you have boundless joy every time you think of the world. Yes. <laughs> okay, see you. Yeah, bye.